In the summer of 2006, uh, Clayton was finishing up his, his schooling and his uh, college work there in Australia, and I had asked him to come home and to help me with some of the work of the ministry here. Some of you are aware, some of you may not be aware, he had found great favor in Australia, and the United Band which is the Hillsong Young People's Band, or Youth Ministries Band, was going on world tour, and uh, they had asked him to participate with regards to being a part of that. And we didn't know that till later. He, uh, he didn't tell us all that was going on because he knew that I really wanted him to come home to help me here at Legacy. And uh, to his character and credit, he honored his dad, and he had turned that down, and he came to be a part of Legacy. At the end of 2006, in the beginning of 2007, some of you may remember, and I mentioned to you, that he was asked by Free Chapel Worship Center, some of you, if you watch TBN or the Inspirational Network, you'll know the pastor is Jensen Franklin, he was asked by that particular ministry to come and to help with the worship that was taking place in the youth department there. He asked if he could do that, and I gave him my blessing, partly because I felt like at that time I'd stolen an opportunity from him. And so I said, yeah, do that. And he did that for about two months. For two months, he went up and down the road and helped them in the middle of the week uh, with their youth worship. It was interesting. I I always find this interesting, and and I just say this by way of just observation. I realize it's what we sign up for. But it is amazing how interesting people think our lives are. I don't think our lives are all that interesting, but I'm amazed at how, how people think the pastor's household is really interesting. And apparently we give lots of folks things to visit about from time to time. And, 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 and again, I just grin because that's just kind of a part of our life. But it was interesting how rumors just start to develop. And there was a rumor that developed out of that particular happening that he was leaving at that time or that he was somehow moonlighting. And truth of the matter was uh, they did pay him enough barely to put gas in his tank to get up and down the road. And uh, so I wouldn't exactly define that as moonlighting. It was an opportunity for a single guy before he got married to do something that was just a little bit different than day-to-day activity. And uh, he did that. And after two months, uh, obviously there were more things here that were giving his attention, Bethany being one of them. And he wanted to be faithful to the work of the ministry here as well. And so uh, for the last year, he has been our worship leader. He has been a youth pastor. He has done Lifehouse Youth on Sunday nights, the RDG groups on Wednesday nights. Many of you don't know all the creative stuff that's on your chair from time to time. He generates all of those things. He's my help around the office. He assists me in a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that you just don't see. Ministry isn't just what we do here. What you see on Sunday morning is about 10% of all that takes place through the week. And he helps me with a lot of that. But it was the week before we went to see Tyler, I believe it was two weeks ago... Uh, Free Chapel called Clayton and asked him to consider coming on a full-time basis. Um, Let me tell you a little what's going on. Pastor Jensen Franklin, who is the pastor of Free Chapel, is, is taking along with the church there in Gainesville another church in Orange County, California of several thousand that a retiring pastor is giving to him. And so he will be pastoring long distance in Gainesville and in Orange County, California. There are several ministries that do this, such as Ed Young. He does this. Hillsong has campuses and does things like this. And so they called Clay 
because in order for Pastor Jensen to do this, as I understand it, his worship leader, who is Ricardo Sanchez, will be traveling with him from time to time, and he too will be at both locations. And so they began to evaluate what they wanted to do for their worship, and since he had been there for two months and they had been able to hear and see a little bit of his skills, and I think it also helped that uh, Jensen has children in the youth department and, and they like play as well. That was probably a little uh, uh, politic in there, hearing his, their dad's ear. But they've offered him the opportunity to be the full-time worship leader to the youth group, which is about a, a youth group of 700. And they've also offered him... Um, in, in the highest of probabilities, and, and there's a lot to that story, but he'll probably on a part-time basis be leading worship for the congregation as a whole in that church of 5,000. And so um, we began to visit about this just in the last two weeks, and they had been hiring people when Ricardo was away in order to come and do that, and they no longer wanted to hire people to come in to do that. They wanted somebody that they could have in-house and uh, as I said, they were impressed with his skills. And so we began to visit about that. We began to visit that Ricardo has visited with him about recording, songwriting opportunities, the musical mentoring aspects. Um, Clayton has already had opportunity to, uh, to make connections with Israel Houghton. You know the guy that wrote, I am a friend of God? And, excuse me? Houghton, excuse me? I'm, I don't even know his name. I know he writes songs all over the place. I had Chris Tomlin, these people. And so, as we began to visit, and then I took on the role as both pastor and parent, I mentioned to Clay, I said, you know, I think this is an open door from the Lord. And as much as I dread the thought of not having you here with me, because to be candid with you, I just, I just was a parent and a pastor. I, I wanted that. But at the same time, if we're to sling the next generation forward then you know what, you got to let them go and you got to let them fly. And so I told him, I said, I just can't see you turning this down. And of course, we talked about praying about it, what's God saying, how's all this working. And so to make some discussions much shorter, in fact, he and Bethany will be taking this ministry opportunity, this promotion really, and they will be moving to Gainesville, Georgia. And their last Sunday with us will be the last Sunday of this particular month. And so uh, we'll be able to uh, enjoy them for a few weeks longer, but uh, they want, they have some new things and, and they're kind of pressing on their end. I'd wanted it to be a little bit longer, but there were some things on their end that just didn't make that uh, happen. And so we need to make that announcement to you, most of all, because I want you to be excited for them. I, I'll say that again. I want you to be excited for them. Um, as a... You know, you're always conflicted. You're always conflicted. I'm telling you, I got, I'm a pastor and a parent, and I, I'm telling you, I got all these things. And so I've had two weeks to sort of get myself twisted and untwisted and all the things that a pastor or a parent might be. But I, I want to say out loud that as a parent, I am exceedingly proud of both you, Clay and Bethany, that a national ministry would want you and to tap you to help them in what they are doing. And it's a remarkable thing to be promoted from worship leader to a congregation of 200 to a worship leader of a congregation of 5,000. And only God could do that. And, and as, as I was getting over the thoughts that I had, the carnal, fleshly, parental thoughts that I had, 
I want you to know, though, that the Lord brought me back to the thing that said that, that we as a church will affect ministries much, much larger than, than our size. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're affecting a ministry that's, that's 25 times our size. And I'm proud of that. And as much as I would love to keep my son here, I know this to be God's will. I'm encouraging them as a pastor and as a parent to follow it wholeheartedly. As far as I'm concerned, he was faithful and obedient to everything I asked him to do and the directions I asked him to go. And that's always what God does. He doesn't always move you geographically, but he always will promote you. Sometimes he promotes you where you're at and sometimes he opens doors and you have to move geographically. The second thing I want to say in all of that is, and the reason I wanted it recorded was because I just know, this is the other thing I just find so interesting. This is kind of my opportunity to mini-sermon a little bit. I always find it that when people don't know all the details, they make up details. That when they don't, then they don't know the answer, they never say, I don't know. They just sort of make it up and tell you what they think. And so I'm going to do my best just to kind of knock that out because I know there'll be all sorts of add-ons that'll go on with the story. So that's why we can just at least have it recorded and hear it exactly as I said it. But I also can tell you that during that same time when Clay was uh, going up and down the road and there was this rumor that he was no longer going to be with us, uh, there was also another rumor that Tracy and I weren't going to be with you any longer. And so I want to make sure it's on the iTunes site. I want to make sure it's on a CD. I want to make sure you can hear this. God has called Tracy and myself and Kaylin staying with us too to finish the assignment in Charleston, South Carolina, and we aren't going anywhere, all right? We are not going anywhere. Now, normally I wouldn't say that. I would just think you would know that. But, you know, it's amazing how people just sort of add what they think in all of that. So, we know that our household, my household, is in the center of God's will here for our lives. And I sort of know how the report got started, but, and I'm not going to get into that, except to say that anybody that says anything different in that regard is not speaking the truth. I'll just say it that way. We are here. We heard a word from the Lord. It is clear, and, and, and we obey God. So we're here at Legacy. We feel like we have a whole lot more to do, and it's going to take a whole lot more time to do that. I, you know, the reason I say it that way is because, you know, I've learned never to say never, because every time I say never, God makes me do it. So I've, I've cut never out of my vocabulary. But I'll say it is the most extremely unlikely thing that I could even begin to imagine, but that God has put us here. So the question is, what's the direction for legacy in the next few months? Let me just share a few things with you before I preach to you this morning. Number one is, listen to me, and I want everyone, I'm going to give you the clue. Everyone say amen. We all begin to pray for who are to be the players and the leaders in areas of worship, and youth, because I'm going to be praying. You say, didn't you think about this or no? Or, you know what? I'm not just going to make a plan. I'm going to get God's plan. I really want God's plan. So I'm going to pray that God unveils and God reveals and he leads and he brings and he makes clear exactly what's going to happen in these particular areas. And so I'm going to be praying. I'm going to believe you're going to pray for that, and you're going to pray for me to hear from God with regards to what needs to happen in these areas. So it may mean that I hire maybe two people, one here and, and one in the youth department. It may mean that I hire one person and maybe a part-time person, or maybe we just use volunteers 
Maybe there's going to be a person God has for us who can do both of these areas again. But I'm going to tell you something right up front. I'm willing to invest in these particular areas, but I'm going to invest in people, and you know how we work here at Legacy, and that is they've got to be submitted to the vision of the house, and they've got to be submitted to the pastor. All right? And so if you know somebody who says, oh, I have a ministry and I'd like to come, well, I'd love to visit with them, but they're going to have to understand what it means to be a part of the house. Amen. So, so that's going to be a little bit of the overarching area of what we're going to do. It could be in the house. It could be somebody here that I've never considered or thought about. It could be somebody out there that I've never considered or thought about. I'm just totally open to the Lord's leading and I have got no clandestine idea or something agenda in me. I am really open to the Lord to hear what he's saying in this particular regard. There is a good possibility that you're going to enjoy me on the guitar for a while again. And <laughs> so, you're too kind, believe me. You're way too kind. And, and I'm believing that's going to be for a short time uh, because I believe that God's got somebody in order to work in that particular area. And probably in the month of August, Tyler's going to be back and I'm going to be there and Tracy will jump in too. And we're going to do some things for the youth. I know uh, the Pruitts have helped out as well. So we've got some folks that will jump in, but... But Tyler's going to Pensacola next year. By the way, I never did announce that, did I? Tyler's going to Pensacola next year to do the second year of his internship. And so he's going to be doing some things at a local church with other interns in Pensacola. And so he's going to continue his training and following the Lord. So uh, that's what he's doing, but he'll be here for a little bit. And so I'll have him come and I'll be there and Trace too. And, and believe me, we're going we're gonna to have a great time together for the rest of the summer. Every time, listen to me now, every time people leave, listen to me, some are sent and some just went. Are you hearing me? Some are sent and some just went. And I would hope that we could discern the difference. And we're going to send Clayton and Bethany because they did, they did their very best. They were faithful with what they were assigned to do. And, and here's the good news for them is that God's opened doors. And the good news for us is, is that God's going to bring new people to help. And He's going to bring people to help pull the work and do the work of the ministry. And here's where I am. We're not going to miss a beat. I'm not going to miss a beat. If you miss a beat, that's your choice. But I'm not going to miss a beat. And we continue to reach Charleston, South Carolina. We continue to do the work of the ministry. And we continue to do what God has called us to do. And we need to remember, what do we do? We win, we connect, we disciple, and we and we send. And that really does happen from time to time. It's been hard for me through the years to do that. Because you want to keep, hold, stay. But God says we're to send labors into the harvest. And so, Clay, I want you to know personally I'm proud of you. I'm happy for what God's doing in your life. Why don't you just wander up here real quick and... I'll let you say something to the folk and you may get opportunity to say more than this, but I think it's worthy of at least some things you might like to share. Well, this is, it was surely a, a happy, sad kind of thing. I mean, I can, I can tell you that many a tear have been shed on my behalf as well as my parents and, uh, and coming to, 
to our decision and everything. This is, it was really just an open door and an opportunity for Beth and I. We're both really passionate about worship and the opportunity to be mentored and, um, and discipled within that particular area of ministry by, um, by men and women such as Israel and, and these guys who are out there producing albums and, and doing uh, a greater, uh, you know, nationwide kind of worship uh, for the Lord and, and, and working towards the kingdom in that way. For them to be able to mentor us, that was just something really exciting, um, an opportunity that came up. Otherwise, I just want to say, I'll just say publicly what I've said in private to my mom and dad. And if you were here last week, um, then, you, then you understand, or hopefully you got the concept of, um, of laying up and storing up. And all the opportunity that comes to myself and comes to Tyler is all because my mom and my dad have laid up and they have stored up for us. And the, and the Holy Spirit has just... Uh, just turned it around and decided to bless me and Tyler with opportunity. And what I told, what I told my dad in the living room on the couch was that, um, I want him to feel proud that, um, I, I, you know, I understand it's a sad that we're, that we're parting ways and things like that, but I, I want them to, to be proud of themselves that, that other people and other ministries want to use their boys. And I just want them to, because, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, you know, and, and this is, I'm just speaking as, as our family. At the end of the day, what people see, whatever they see in me, whatever they see in Tyler, whatever they see in Kalen, is a direct response to the character that has been built in us through our parents. And so, um, you know, I just give honor to them and, and, I, and I love them. And I mean, it's not like I'm going off to, to you know, to off to Australia again and I'll never see you again. You know, I'm, I'm just around the corner. And so, but I just wanted to honor them and make clear the fact that it's because you guys laid up and stored up years and years ahead, or years and years ago, that me and Tyler are having opportunity now to, to minister um, outside of our local church and things like that. And so I'll just, I just, I love you guys. I thank you guys. I love this church family. And I know, I, you know, I thank you for everyone who's been supportive. And, um, you know, through our wedding, through me being in Australia and all that, you guys have just been awesome. And I, I love you all. <laughs> I mean, I love you all. And like I said, this is a happy, sad kind of thing. And so, um, but we're, we're just looking forward to the future and God's doing great things in the earth. He's doing great things in us. He's doing great things in you. And, um, and one way or another, people are going to get discipled in this nation. And so it's just going to be, the future's great. And we're just excited for all that God's doing. Amen. We're excited for you. Love you. God bless you. As you were saying that, I was kind of thinking it's, it's, and this is, this is not in the same, exact same vein, but I thought to myself, you know, when, when, when loved ones and believers, you know, they pass away and they die, it's, it, and you know they've gone to heaven, and they're better than you are at that particular moment. It's like a happy, sad occasion. It's, it's, it's you're sad because you don't get to see them and fellowship with them, and it won't be like it was. But yet at the same time, there's, there's greater purpose in God's will being done. And so we need to keep those things in mind. And, and again, um, we got n- numerous weeks to be able to hug next and say goodbye. But uh, we just wanted to let you know that as soon as, soon as possible. All right. Are you, are you there in Joshua? Come on, are you there in Joshua? Here's the deal. This is how you grow up in the Lord. I'm going to tell you something right now. You, you've, got, you've got to begin to get your focus. God's about ready to say something to you. Are, do you believe that? God's about ready to open a door for you. You, 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 can't, get, you can't get detoured and fuzzed. And, and, you know, I have to continually learn this, that curveballs come. God's will be done. He does things and doesn't check in with me. 
I mean, you know, it's not my plan, it's his plan. And so you got, you got to learn to seize your thoughts and to seize your mind and to get your focus and to realize that God's got a plan and he's got a future for you. And somehow or another, he's orchestrating and he's working and he's putting all these things together in order to accomplish his plan. Everyone say his plan. Say, not my plan. His plan. Let, let me tell you, if you have died, if you have, you know, I'm going to preach on this soon. Galatians 6, Paul says, I have died to the world and the world's been crucified to me. There comes a moment when you don't want anything to do with the world. And to be honest, the world doesn't want much to do with you either. And when you reach that point, you know you've got there when you begin to say, it's not my will, not my agenda, not what I want or what I think I need. It's about what his agenda is and his kingdom. And when you can begin to get a hold of that, you can begin to mature much quicker and much faster than normal, everyday, ordinary Christian who's still going, wham, 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 give me what I want. All right? Legacy is a mature bunch, aren't we? All right, five of you. Legacy is a mature bunch, aren't we? Come on now, speak by faith. If you don't feel mature, at least say yes by faith. You're maturing in the things of God. And so let's learn a little bit about that this morning. And I'm going to talk about possessing our inheritance. Possessing our promise, possessing our inheritance. Now you'll remember two weeks ago, how many of you were here and you heard me talk about patience? Remember that? Raise your hand if you heard about patience. Just wave it at me now. Uh, you, heard, you know how we have to be patient with the things of God. But the flip side of patience is that there comes a moment when God says now. There comes a moment when God says, it's your moment. You've been patient. You've walked with me. You've developed character. You've done all that I've asked you to do. You've been faithful. Now is the moment to seize or now is the moment to possess your inheritance. And so while it is true we must be patient, we must understand possessing. And I want to read to you out of Joshua chapter 18. Are you there? Say amen. Let's listen to what Joshua says. He says, Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. You might want to underline that last little phrase. The land was subdued before them. This is what the Lord was saying. He was saying, your inheritance is out there. It's ready for you to seize. It's ready for you to take. It's, it's ripe for the picking. Your promise is just ahead. It was all subdued before them. But, verse 2, there remained among the children of Israel... Seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Now hear this. It's subdued before you. It's out there ready for the picking, ready for the possessing. But they hadn't yet seized that which had already been subdued. He goes on to say, Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? How long will you neglect? How long will you sit there? How long, how long will you twiddle your thumbs? How long will you wait for someone else to do it for you? How long will you wait to go in and possess everything that God has given to you? Possessing your promise. Now, if I were to use the term inheritance today, most of us would 
think if I use the term inheritance in terms of money, in terms of stuff that maybe our, our parents or our grandparents laid up for us in their attic, we think of all the things that, that maybe family would parcel out when they finally pass away and they die. In our mind, an inheritance is that which we get from somebody that's gone before us and, and somehow uh, leave, left it to us. They couldn't take it with them, so they left it to us. Webster defines inheritance as a portion, a birthright, a heritage, even a right of ownership. We as believers have an individual inheritance. Isn't that good news? Amen. Let's just try this. Everyone say amen. I'm going to get you noisy, all right? We're going we're gonna to worship God and we're going to get noisy as a congregation. Come on now. Just say, that's me. All right. We're going to drag something up and out of you. You say, you don't know me. I have, I have a Catholic background. I have an Episcopal background. I'm a Presbyterian, a Methodist. Well, all right. Overcome it and say amen. amen. All right. Now we're getting there. As believers, we have an individual promise as children of the Lord. You have an inheritance of eternal life, an inheritance of forgiveness. You have an inheritance of the presence of the Lord. Isn't it good news to know that the Bible says we have an inheritance of healing? We have an inheritance of deliverance. These are inheritances each one of us have. We also have a collective inheritance. Just as the children of Israel had an individual inheritance as the children of God. They had this collective inheritance that they had to enter into together. The problem is that few of us ever take possession of our inheritances. Our problem is that whether it's individually, as, as a person, as a believer, or whether it be as a, a church, a congregation, as a group, our problem is, is that few of us possess these things as we should. That was the problem with the children of Israel with regards to their inheritance, which was the promised land. Now, to their credit, let's give credit where credit is due. They'd done a lot of things right to get to this point. It, the Bible tells us that when it was time to seek the Lord, they sought Him. The Bible tells us that when Joshua said, consecrate yourself, they consecrated themselves. When he said, keep your eyes on the ark, we've not been this way before, they kept their eyes on the ark. When they went to different cities... And they began to implement unusual strategies. They were obedient to do those sorts of things. When there was sin in the camp, they stopped. And they dealt with the sin in the camp before they went further. So we can look at the children of Israel at this point and say that they had done a lot of things really well. The problem was, not so much that they had not in the past done a lot of good things. The problem was they'd reached a place in the present where they no longer desired to go forward anymore. Now listen to me, God's sovereign, and, and because He's sovereign, He can do anything He wants. That's what sovereignty means. God can do anything He wants, anytime He wants. He doesn't check in with you, and He doesn't check in with me. He can, because He's God. He can just blow in and do it and blow out. Listen to me, there's a lot of us who live life thinking that if God wants it to happen, He's just always going to sovereignly do things in my life. Now praise God, because of our disobedience... And, and our timidities, praise God, He is sovereign and does sovereign things. But you need to get a hold of the fact that God's sovereignty is linked in a lot of ways to your freedom and your choices. 
He's waiting for you to choose you this day whom you will serve. He just doesn't blow in and save you. He's waiting for you to repent and to confess Him and to be saved. He doesn't just automatically do things. He's waiting for His people to lay hold of, to actively grab or to seize what He intends to be yours. We have choices that have to be made. And once we make those choices, then we have to live with the decisions. God allows us to live with the decisions a lot of times those choices bring to us. And so you need to understand that even in the will of God, we're going to have to arise and seize and arise and possess some things before we'll ever see them come to pass in our life. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. The reason God is maturing you and the reason God throws you curveballs and the reason God is training you and testing you and all the things that come your way, listen to me right now, is that He wants you to begin to understand your moment of being patient and your moment of possessing. And it's going to take an incredible amount of discernment and maturity to understand the difference between those two seasons and moments in your life. There are patient seasons and there are possessing seasons. If you'll remember two weeks ago, and if you didn't get to hear that message, you can go to our website and listen to it through iTunes. But two weeks ago, when I taught on patience and the promise, I used a lot of biblical characters who had to exercise great patience as they awaited the promise of God. The flip side to their patience is this. Yes, there were those moments that they knew they had to wait on God and tarry and be patient, but there was also a moment when they saw God opening the door, they saw God moving in their life, they saw God doing some things that He was going to do, and they had to reach out and they had to seize or they had to possess that inheritance that God had for them. How many of you know David spent time in sheep fields, he spent time in caves, he spent time in Hebron, he spent decades waiting on the Lord, but there was a moment the door was open to Jerusalem, and at that moment he just couldn't say, well, I don't know. He had to possess, he had to seize that particular moment. The same with Joseph in his prison, in Potiphar's house, and all the, the absolute terrible things he faced as a human being. He was faithful, he was patient. He kept believing, expecting, remaining positive, serving God no matter what was going on and where he was at. But there came a moment when it was called upon him to step through a door and he had to seize it. He couldn't suddenly look at, at, at Pot or, uh, uh, Pharaoh and look at Pharaoh when he wanted an interpretation for his dream and say, forget it, dude. You put me in here for a decade. Figure it out yourself. He had to seize that thing when the moment came. There comes a moment you have to possess the things of God. Some of you are waiting here to feel saved. I'm telling you, you need to possess the promise of salvation. You've got to go after it. You say, I don't feel saved today. I don't care how you feel. Go seize. Some of you are waiting for God to, to just lay joy on you. You know what we're learning in our household is, is if you're waiting for this feeling to just float from out of the sky, you're not going to get it. You've got to go seize some joy. That's your inheritance. Sure it is. Some of you are waiting, well, God, if God wants me healed, well, I, yes, he does. The Bible says, yes, he does. Just like he wants you saved. He wants you whole. He wants you well. He wants you healed. He wants you delivered. You say, well, why isn't it working like I think it ought to? I don't understand maybe all of the intricacies, and I've told you before that I'll live with a little mystery, 
But this much I know is my, is my part of the equation. I got to start seizing some things, possessing some things, realizing that's my inheritance as a child of God. Joshua said to the people who'd done a lot of things right. He still looks at them as they moved about halfway into the land. He says to them, how long will you neglect finishing up, seizing what God has promised? Amen. Now I'm going to give you real quick, write these down fast because I've got to move quickly. I want to share with you some things about what keeps us from possessing our inheritance, our promise. And then in just a moment, I'm going to give you some keys to help you lay hold of some things that I think are important. But let's talk about what prevents us from possessing our promise. Number one, wounds from past battles. The reason the children of Israel shut down their strategies, their battle plans, and moving through the promised land was because they were tired of the battle. How many of you here could say this with me? You fight a few battles and you just aren't looking forward to going into another one. I mean, do I, do you, I mean, you can identify. You have a few battles under your belt, and you came out, and you won, and you got victory. But it's like, I see this next battle, and to be honest with you, I'm just not, I, I'm just not interested in getting in a battle again. Can anyone identify with me? I mean, I know that's how I am. I mean, you fuss, you fuss, you fuss, you fuss, and, and you break through, and you win, and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Sweet relief. And then all of a sudden you see this next battle coming up and you're going, do I really have to do this again? Yes. And it's the wounds from your past that keep you from pressing into the next battle. And and if you've ever been wounded in a battle, you aren't rip-roaring ready to go run into another one. And so you've got to realize that that's why God heals you at the cross. That's why he mends you. That's why he restores you. That's why he makes you complete. Because those wounds can keep you from possessing. Number two, Some people are ignorant concerning their inheritance. Listen to me. We're not only ignorant because we've not heard this and all. This is the document, the inheritance document. This is is the Old Testament or will and the New Testament and will. So if if, if you ever go to a reading of the will and you get to hear what you get, this is the reading of the will. And everything in here has been given to us as an inheritance as a believer. And this is what the enemy does. He, number one, is wants to keep us ignorant of what's in here. So therefore, he keeps our noses out of it. We aren't reading it. We don't know what's available to us. We're not taught what's available to us. But the second thing is, is that he longs to capture us by keeping us in yesterday. And whether it's our wounds and our hurts, or whether it's our religious bondages and our religious training. I grew up in a church that didn't believe that God wanted to heal us so is it any surprise there were few people that got healed is that not surprising it's it's like bing. if somebody got healed it was like can you believe this i mean i mean we'd send them on the road give them a van start a ministry i mean it was like it was the exception to the rule and we never knew that the book said that is our portion as children of god there was no expectation no belief We didn't possess it. And so he keeps us in those bondages and those those trainings and that background to where we are blinded. We're ignorant. We just don't know. We're not a bad person. It's just that you've got to break through that in order to see what's available to you. Number three, I'm going to go right quick now, a poverty mentality. What keeps us from possessing an inheritance? 
a poverty mentality which says don't expect much. And if you don't expect much, you'll never be disappointed. We fear, listen to me, we fear losing the little bit we've got. If you want to know why, why, why people don't just push out in faith and, and, just, and just move radically in obedience to God, you want to understand why? It's, it's because we fear. Poverty is not the lack of something. Poverty is the fear of the lack of something. And it's interesting because Israel had secured half of their promise. And here's the question. If I go fight this next battle, and if I were to lose this next battle, I'll lose the half I already got. And so there's this fear that begins to be engendered in us that keeps us in this fortress mentality that says, I'm not going to move any further because I might lose what I get. We fear letting go of the mediocre thing in order to lay hold of a greater thing because at least we've got something mediocre. I've watched people do this for years. They'll keep a bad job in a terrible situation and they'll have a wonderful opportunity but they won't move because they aren't sure all the bits and pieces will fit but they're seized in the fear that I might lose the little bit that I've got. You're going to miss some great things if that fear plagues you and keeps you in the mediocre things. The enemy loves to keep us focused in that particular direction. Number four, I'm moving quickly, false humility. What keeps us from possessing our inheritance? False humility. This is false humility. Listen, I know God has more for me, but I don't deserve it. That's false humility. I, 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 well, it may be available, but you know what? I, I just, I don't, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. You know, if he wants to, he can. That's false humility. False humility is pride in disguise. False humility is a religious spirit that thinks it's being holy. Can you imagine, can you imagine a God that has all these things that he declares are available for his children and us continually looking at him saying, no, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. I mean, you would, it would almost be offensive, would it not? If you, wanted to, if you wanted to give things away and you wanted to be a blessing and as you continually try to be a blessing to someone, they would look and say, no, 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 no. After a while, you'd say, well, fine. That's false humility. Humility is, is not just thinking less of yourself. Humility is really not thinking of yourself at all. And what that means is, is that when God says, this is what I have for you, it's not about I'm not deserving, I'm not worthy, I'm not... That's too much I in there. Just receive and be grateful from a God who wants to do good things in your life. Number five, laziness. People don't possess because they're lazy. People want to come down, listen to me, and we do this and there's a place for it, so don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But if all you know to do is to come down and let somebody lay hands on you and pray for you, then you've got to ask yourself the question, when am I going to arise and seize what's my inheritance? I can pray for you and I can pray for your deliverance. I can pray for your healing. God will work through that and, and, and we love to minister to people and I want you to be ministered to and I want you to feel like you're getting ministry. But will you hear me and love me as I say this to you? The issue in life is not getting in another prayer meeting. Sometimes it's you rising up and you seizing your healing. You keeping your confession right. You pressing through. You being in the house of God. Don't call up. I got people, not so much in this congregation, but I got people who will call me on the phone 
and say, get your prayer team praying about this. And they don't want to go to the house of God. They don't want to be in the house of the Lord. They don't want to do what it takes in order to press into an inheritance and seize it. We're wanting some, we want the intercessors to pray about it. We want pastor to pray about it. Lay hands on me, pastor, and maybe it'll happen this time. No, you rise up. How long will you neglect taking the promise that was for you? Get up. You want to be delivered? Then seize your deliverance. Seize it. Seize your freedom. Seize your liberty. Seize your joy. Seize it. Seize it. Number six, we're unable to take a sanctified risk. Now, no one should be silly or foolish, but sometimes faith equals risk. So we need to break the safe spirit. We think God's in the safe. As long as it's safe, it must be God. No, that's not true. You read your Bible. Read your Bible. Not everything that happened was safe. Spitting on the ground, throwing mud in someone's eye is not safe. It's not safe. It's not, it, there, there are so many things I can go through. We've got to take some sanctified risks. Not foolishness, not presumption, but a sanctified risk where we've heard from God and we're pressing forward. Number seven, presumption and arrogance. We don't possess because of presumption and arrogance. We want to set our own path and how to get there. We know we have something out there, but we're going to set our own direction and our own path in getting there. How many of you know that sometimes there doesn't look like we think it's going to look? So you need to be careful that you're not presuming or arrogant. And finally, number eight, there are rebellion and authority issues with regards to seizing and possessing our inheritance. You'll never, you'll never seize inheritance until our authority structures are in place in your life. If you don't think that's true, just look at the children of Israel. They got a bad report. They listened, and so their faith was diminished. They feared they refused to take a sanctified risk. But then even in the wilderness, you have Korah and um, Dathan and Abiram and the story about how they didn't understand authority and they were irritated at Moses. And you know what God did? He had to weed all that stuff out until he finally got them positioned, the whole house of Israel, ready to go into their inheritance. And so God sometimes weeds things out of us in order to position us to be able to better possess. Now, write these things down. I'm really, I'm going to hurry it up right now, so write quickly. You want to know how to possess, and you want some keys to be able to say, where do I go from here? If I break out of all this stuff, Pastor, and I begin to really say it's my season to possess, you're convinced that maybe patience is over, and it's your season to possess. Here are some keys. Number one, know that you have a future. I want everyone to say, say, I know I have a future. Do you know that you have a future and that you have an inheritance? You know, my wife's favorite verse is Jeremiah 29, 11. That's probably her life's verse where it says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord's. Not to, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Do you realize that? That God has plans for you. His plans for you. The enemy longs to convince us that we've got no future. The enemy longs to convince us that something happened way back there that was so bad, so terrible, that we've been disqualified from a future. That's a lie. Do you hear me? That's a lie. You've got to know you've got a future and you've got an inheritance. 
You've got to get that in your system. I don't care if everybody in your family tree died in their early 50s. You've got to understand that you've got a future and you'll live into your 100s. You've got to get that in your spirit. You've got to know you've got a future. Do you know that? Do you know you have an inheritance? You've got to know that. Don't let the enemy convince you, no, not you. God, in his word, says he's no respecter of persons. What he'll do for anyone else, he will do for you. Number two, we've got to worship to gain revelation. Let me tell you what the Lord's been saying to our household. This is what the Lord's saying. He says, if you worship me, you will see the changes in heaven that I desire on earth. Whenever we worship God, there is an opportunity to have the the heaven scroll back for you to begin to see what real reality is all about and for you to be able to not only get a hope and get your faith, but you can begin to find someone to agree with you to dip into that thing and bring that inheritance and bring that reality to where you are at this particular moment. In most Protestant churches... We think most of the revelation comes at this point in the service when pastor's preaching. But can I just share with you that you're missing an opportunity for God himself to unveil some things for you in the worship. I mean, I'm I'm just telling you like it is. You say, well, I I don't don't really like singing. I don't like the songs. You know what? You're missing an opportunity when you worship God and you open your spirit up through the worship. He can begin to speak to you and talk to you. And so we need to worship God to receive revelation. Number three, when you receive a word from Him, you need to learn how to activate them. Every time God speaks to us, a new order begins. Every time He says something, He's ready to open up a new door, a new chapter, a new season. And you need to begin to say, Lord, what must I do to begin to activate and be obedient? And put into place those things that you're wanting from me in order that this inheritance might come to pass. The Bible says this, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. And so the key to it is if you know God's speaking, you need to then ask the question, not just by receiving the hope or the promise, but ask the question, very good Lord, I receive that in my heart. I lay hold of that deed. Do you want me to be patient with that? Or is it time for me to begin to pursue pursue and possess and seize that which you've spoken to me? You've got to begin to ask God, what must I do to activate this? What must I do to go forward? Number four, review and evaluate the vision of your future. It's easy to lose sight of inheritance when you're in the middle of a battle. So what you need to do is if you've got promises, whether it be for healing or deliverance or joy or hope or whatever it may be, or if it's for a career, a job, financial, relational, you need to start writing these things down. Habakkuk says, write the vision down and make it plain. You need to write it down. And when the enemy comes to you every now and then and begins to whisper in your ears that you have no future, you have have no promise, you have no inheritance... It's not for you. It doesn't work. You need to pull that sheet of paper out again. You need to look at it and say, no, devil, you're a liar. God said on such and such a date at such and such a time, he said it to my spirit. I believed it. I got a deed to it, a title to it. It's going to happen because God said it and your yeah, yeah, isn't going to change that. Amen. Number five. I hate preaching fast. I hope you're listening fast. 
Surround yourself with the right connections and associations. Choose, choose your associations carefully. Know who labors with you. Connect with people who are positive and are going forward. If you sit down with somebody and all they can do is yak, cut them off. I'm just giving you hints. This is our life. I mean, you know, there are times this pastoral spirit comes on me and I love and I say, they're there, okay. And then there are times I just say, "Let's, let's get with the program. Come on now. There are some people, it doesn't matter if God moved heaven and earth, they'd still be negative. If God put a million dollars on them tomorrow, they'd whine about the taxes. Isn't that true? They, it wouldn't matter. They'd find something to whine about. God, someone would give them a brand new car or a brand new RV or Winnebago and they'd whine about you know, the, you know, the gift tax or they'd whine about this or they'd whine about that. You know... Understand your associations. The children of Israel didn't get into the promised land because they wanted to associate with ten people who all they could see were how big the giants were. Where if they would have listened to two people who said, we are well able, they would have saved themselves 40 years of chewing sand. Now you've got to ask yourself the question, do you want to be with the sand-chewing bunch? Or are you ready to go forward and lay hold of a promise that's laden, the Bible says, with milk and honey and it overflows and there's more than enough? I'm following that group. I'm going to find me a group that's moving forward, that's believing God, that's exercising faith. I mean, what's going to happen? What's the worst that can happen to me? I can be killed and then I go to heaven. Hallelujah. So you see, I win no matter what. You got to choose. Right now, some of you got to choose. Who you're gonna who you're gonna associate with? There's some people you need to look in the eye and say, dude, you are you are gonna go around that mountain more times than I can count, and I am not taking the trip with you. God bless you, I love you. I hope you figure it out, but I'm going forward in my promise. I'm going forward in my future. I'm hanging out with people who are going forward. Boy, we could we could ride that one for a while, can't we? If you're hanging around a dead-end person, then get them saved. But if they don't want to get saved, don't hang around them too much. Amen. Well, why would you connect with that? Why would you, you know, it's like having a circuit breaker out, and, and you have a wall receptacle, and you're wanting to plug in a relationship. Why would you plug into a dead socket? You ain't getting nothing from that. Say, well, I'm ministering to him. Well, then minister to him and look him in the eye and say, change your confession. You're way too negative. Get positive. You know, there are some people, you know the half full, half empty bunch. What's it going to be? Come on now. You know what it needs to be. Surround yourself with the right connections. Number six, obey the Lord even if it's unusual. There's an important place for wisdom, but at times we have used natural wisdom to hinder our obedience to what God has revealed to us. In other words, God says for us to do something at times that doesn't make a lot of sense to our brain, and our brain gets in the way of our heart or our spirit. Was it wise for Noah to build an ark and it never rained on the earth? Well, ultimately it was, wasn't it? But it didn't seem to be such as he was constructing it. Was it wise for Gideon to trim down the 300 to 300? It didn't seem so at the time, but when he went into battle, it seemed to make perfect sense. 
Was it wise for disciples to drop their nets and follow the Lord? Well, probably to everyone looking, they're saying, you're crazy. Why would you do something like that? And yet the end result, we all know they're geniuses. Do you see where all of this is going? God's going to talk to you and you're going to have to do some things to reach out and possess it. And then finally, don't let obstacles stop you from your assignment. Get your Bibles out one more time and I want to read two quick verses and I'm done. Actually, I'm going to tell a story and I'm done. Ezra 4.4, 4, listen to this. They're rebuilding the temple, Ezra 4.4. 4. I was reading Ezra in my devotional time and I came across this particular verse. It says that the children of Israel are trying to restore the temple. They're building back the temple as God had commanded them to do. And listen to what happens. It says, then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah... They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Here you are trying to obey God, press into the future. You're possessing and you're seizing what God has asked of you to do. And it says here that not only were there obstacles of people around you trying to discourage you, but those around you trying to discourage you had actually hired people to discourage you while they couldn't be there. Have you ever... I've, I have had people who I have felt like have been hired for just that purpose in my life. They've been hired for that. Their whole, their whole life's purpose is to just nip and gripe and whine and say how it can't be done and what you know don't do that and how this and that and all the rest and all they're there is to frustrate the purposes of God well what did they do I mean if you've got people doing this all around you certainly there's got to be something you can do well in the book of Zechariah he was a prophet at the self-same time in Zechariah chapter 4 most people believe scholars believe that this is what Zechariah said to the people as these hired guns had come in to discourage them from restoring the temple. Zechariah 4, verse 6. It says, So he answered me with regards to building the temple. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And if you'll read the cheat notes, you'll begin to see in the cheat notes that uh, in, in my version at least it says that the shouting of grace, grace, O great mountain, could be what we shout with regards to the opposition of the adversaries of the temple project and the discouraged group of builders or some type of turmoil amongst the people. Anyway, God says, as you begin to arise and to begin to shout grace, and when he's saying grace, he's not saying that which excuses you. He's saying that which empowers you, that which favors you, that which is a gift to you, that which overwhelms you. He says, as you begin to shout the promise of God, the provision of God, as you shout it, that great big obstacle, that great big mountain, God says it shall become as a, a plain. Here's the good news. God will knock the hark out of that. I mean, he'll just, he'll just knock that mountain clean off its foundation. So they had to arise. And they didn't get into an argument with their 
hired gun discouragers. They didn't get in an argument with them. They just arose and began to shout back. Grace, grace. They began to shout back. Future, future. They began to shout back. More than enough, more than enough. We are well able, we are well able. Favor, favor. Power, power. They began to shout that back at their discouragers and their obstacles. And God began to move with regards to their situation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this and we're done. How many of you have, a, have, a, have an, a dog? How many of you have or ever had a dog? Let's just put it. I've had one. Okay, all of us had one. My dog has passed away and has now gone to doggy heaven. And, and I can remember, those of you that knew Shundai, Shundai was about yay big, about 15 pounds maybe, tops, about that big. Had her for 15 years. And we lived in several different places. And from time to time, she would, all of a sudden, in the middle of the living room, she would just, she would stand up just like this. And just, phew, and she would head to either the front glass door, or she would get to a window, and if there were those, those slats, what do you call that? Uh, uh, yeah, blinds. I knew there was a technical name for that. Those blinds. You know, she'd get her head up under there, and, and, and you know how they did get her back straight, and her head's like this, and her tail's going... And there was something in that animal that could sense when another animal had crossed the property line. Now, it wouldn't matter how small or how large that animal may be. In fact, oftentimes it would be a much larger dog. And let's just say, for sake of the story, it was a large, big dog that would come into the, come into the yard and, and, and Shundai would be looking there and her, just, her tail would be going like this. And then all of a sudden, she would start going... And I'd look at that dog and I'd say, you fool, if I were to let you out, that big dog would tear you up. You're crazy. You don't want any part of that dog that's in that yard. But there she was. I mean, she was just, and just going nuts on and I, and I was thinking about that with regards to our inheritance and our promise. You see, in Shundai's mind, this this is my inheritance. This place that I reside is mine. You don't come in here and all of a sudden say, you're going to want to be a part of it. I mean, this is, this is my inheritance. This is what it's all about. And I don't know how doggy language works, but I just got to believe because I know my dog was filled with the Spirit. I just know that to be true. Because we prayed for her on many of occasions. So. But I'm just here to tell you, I believe that dog would look at that obstacle intruder that I did just shout... Grace! Grace! There was something that rose up in that animal that said, said, I am more than enough to take you on. I am more than enough to go after you. And what's interesting is, is that that animal knew it didn't, it didn't have to go out and have an actual fight with it. But there was, there was a spiritual thing. Now you know I'm playing with you, right? But, but there was actually a shout and a spiritual thing that can happen in order to to press into your inheritance and to possess your inheritance. Anybody have a dog like that do that, like mine? Do you ever have a dog do that, just go nutsoid like that? You know, we can learn a lot from a dog, can't we? In fact, sometimes they're a whole lot smarter than we are. 
I'm just here to tell you, you are promised. You have a future. God has great plans for you. He's not here to destroy you. He's not the destroyer. D-E-V-I-L. He is destroyer. Read it in the Revelation. His name's Abaddon there, the destroyer. That's who's trying to destroy you. But you got to get yourself positioned again. You got to get yourself in the right mindset again. You got to get your confession where it needs to be again. And once you're there, you're going to begin to see your future happen again. Amen? Stand with me, will you? Here's what we're going to do right now. The first group I want to pray for right now, and I want everyone to hang tough here for just a minute or two. We can hang tough, can't we? There are those right now, I said earlier in the service, that you were sick or you're facing just infirmity in the body. And I want to pray for those right now. And I'm going to have about three altar calls here, so just bear with me. But if you're sick right now and you're needing, you're needing your inheritance of healing to come your direction, this is what I want you to do. I want you to step out and as you step out, I want you to step out in this spirit saying, I'm going to go seize my healing. It's my inheritance. God said it was mine. He provided for it through his stripes. I'm going to possess it. I'm going to possess it right now. If that's you, I want you to come right now. We're going to pray for the sick, the infirmed right now. We're going to do that. Now, you're coming because you're saying, I'm ready to see some things here. I'm ready to possess it. I'm ready to lay hold of it. Amen. Come on, I want everybody believing with me right now. Can we have the whole nation, the whole house, begin to believe God right now? That signs will follow them that believe. If you don't believe right now, nothing's going to happen. But signs will follow. They shall follow them that believe. Come on now, it's not the length of the prayer and it's not whether or not I shout or prophesy. It's about whether you believe at this moment and seize it. Come on now, I don't care. I don't care if it's cancer, HIV, AIDS. They all have to bow at the cross. It doesn't matter if it's an infection, an organ that isn't working right. It doesn't matter. It's got to bow at the cross. Yes. Healing. Come on now, let's begin to pray. Let a little noise and rumble. Let's believe God. Just begin to say, I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord, for my healing. It's my inheritance. It's my portion. It's my birthright as a child of God. It's not my arrogance, it's your provision. If you think you're not worthy, we'll just agree you're not worthy. But God said, I'm not looking at who you were. I'm looking at who you are in him. Come on, we're going to seize it right now. Seize it. I want you to say, if you're down front, say, I'm getting ready to seize it. And I'm going to lay hands on you. And at that moment, at the moment you feel my touch, I want you at that moment in your spirit man to say, that's the moment. I'm possessing it. As soon as you feel my hand go, I'm I'm laying hold of that healing virtue right now. Hey! Faith, let faith arise this morning. Let faith arise. Right now. 
Healing now in Je- healing now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Je- healing. He- healing now. Healing now. Healing. Be healed. Be healed now. Be healed now. Healing in your body right now. Healed right now. Healed. Be healed right now. Healed now. Healed in your body right now. Healed now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If there was something in you that you couldn't do, I want you, if there was a pain or something, you you can't always identify everything, but start to do what you couldn't do. If it was in your if it was in your back, come on, challenge it for just a minute. Come on, challenge that that pain. Challenge it for just a moment. Move the, if it's the neck, the leg, the joints. Come on now, challenge it for a minute and say, "I'm seizing my healing. I'm I'm laying hold of it." Remember what you're doing. You're not waiting for a sovereign zap. You're 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 moving. You're saying, "I'm moving. I'm well able. I'm well able. I'm well able." I'm well able. I'm well able. Everyone say that. I'm well able. I'm well able. Come on, holler it. I'm well able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, you guys, slip back. Just slip back to where you were. The second one right now, if you're, if you're needing breakthrough in an area of life, whether it be over areas of finance and relationship or whether it's internal bondages and strongholds and addictions, wounds, you're going to seize your freedom and you're going to seize your joy right now this morning. Yes, you are. If you walk away and you say, "Eh, I don't know about that, then go live like you've been living. But if you'll let faith arise and you'll just step into some things that God would love to do in your life, and if you will lay hold and you'll hear what Joshua was saying, how long, how long will you sit there and die? Will you sit there and be just negative and pessimistic your whole life? Is that what you want? You live life that way, but it can be different. Yes, it can. Hey, that's all right. You keep coming, man. Come come every time. Come every time. Are, are you coming to seize? Yeah, man. Come on, Michael. You're coming to seize, right? Come on. I'm looking at some of you. You ready to seize? Hey, Dwight, you ready to see some things? Michael! You're a Caesar. I know you're Caesar. Jerry, you Caesar? How about Gary, you one? All right. I don't know everyone. Ryan, you a Caesar? Yeah, man. Lay hold of it. Lay hold of it. Lay hold of it. What am I doing right now? I'm... I I want you to anticipate. Come on, anticipate. 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 Come on, what are you going to lay hold of? What do you need to lay hold of? What's your inheritance? Joy? Is your inheritance freedom? What's your inheritance? What's your inheritance? Just don't be nebulous. Come on, define it. What's your inheritance right now? A bondage broken? What's your inheritance? Come on, he can't free you unless you choose to name the inheritance. 
cry out to God right now. Tell him you're believing him.
And right now, this is what we're going to do. And it's not to put you on the spot. It's, it's to position you to get your relationship, the pipeline to God, open again over your life so He can move in wonderful, incredible, powerful, good and great ways. And everything right now the enemy is trying to convince us of is, oh, you don't have to mention that. Yes, you do. And if you'll take a moment and humble yourself, I'll tell you God will move and exalt you and do some incredible things. And this is what I want to ask. I don't, you may have been down on the first two invitations, but this one is simply the invitation for those, if you've not opened up your heart and received Jesus Christ, or maybe you did it sometime way back in your life, but you know, you know you've not walked where you've needed to walk and there's waywardness. You've got to get that straightened up. God loves you. We love you. We're not hammering you. We're not making you feel guilty. That's the sweet Holy Spirit working in you saying, won't you let me cleanse you? Won't you let me give you a new start? Can't we, can't we make the pages white again and let me write a new story for you? That's what's going on. You've got to say yes to that, though. You've got to say, I want that again in my life. So maybe it's your first time. Maybe you've walked this morning and other times, but you know before you go today, you need to get the sin dealt with. Come on, let's call it what it is. It wasn't a mistake. It was, it was sin. And if you'll, if you'll own it, he'll forgive it. And he'll cleanse you. And he'll change your life. On the count of three, God's working on a couple people. I'll, I, if I were a betting man, I'd bet it right now. And say to yourself, if I'm the only one that goes right now, I'm going to go. Because it's my future. It's my inheritance. It's my hope. If no one else goes, I'm going to go. On the count of three, that's you. That's you. Don't worry about a spouse. Don't worry about a friend. Don't worry about what people think. It's more important as to what God thinks. I think you'll be the most courageous person and maybe the one that God works in the most as we leave here this morning. On the count of three, if that's you, just, just don't let your reasoning faculties get in your way. Let your heart, let your heart move you to come to this place right here. Just give me a hug around the neck. On the count of three, are you ready? You've made the decision. One, two, three. Just do it. Just do it right now.